Good afternoon, Rye residents, and welcome to the all-time podcast. The Yvonne Rich Brothers are back, this time breaking down a list of the best bit characters ever on the classic TV series, Seinfeld. All right, Will, how are you today? I'm very, very well excited about this list. Um, you know, the Seinfeld is a very, very important show to the Ivanovich family. Uh, I remember years ago, every Thursday night when it was on, uh, at 9 o'clock, uh, our mother and Rye Record publisher, Robin Ivanovich, would become irate if anyone called uh, during that time. And she was sort of like uh, Rob Reiner's character in The Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> if anyone dared call during the Equalizer, yeah. uh, she would just be like, you know, don't they know? Don't your friends know not to call? From nine to nine thirty on Thursday night, uh, no calls were permitted. Right. And were we allowed to watch Friends afterwards? Yes. I believe? Yes. Maybe. If we were good. If we were good. If we weren't. All right. There have been so many great characters on Seinfeld. Obviously, we're taking out the big four. And, of course, we're leaving off, off the list the Costanzas, Frank and Estelle, and uh, Morty, and... Uh, <laughs> Newman, obviously. Newman. None yeah. of the major supporting characters. No. All minor and bit characters, yeah. many of whom uh, had recurring roles on the show. Yes, and, and basically, they're, they're in a, basically a couple of episodes per season, but these are the must-watch episodes. Uh I am a 40-year-old man, and for some reason, I want to move to Boca because of Jack Klompas. Uh, he is the enemy of Morty Seinfeld, uh, just like Newman is the enemy of Jerry. Uh, and uh, they are in a condominium complex. It's the Del Boca Vista, phase two. Uh, one of the greatest episodes is when uh, Jerry's father, Morty, gets ousted as condo uh, board president and uh, it all starts when Jerry buys his father a Cadillac and uh, they roll up to a uh, early bird special but it's after 6 o'clock and Jack Glom- Jerry refuses to eat with his parents <laughs> at you know 3.30 in the afternoon after, when he's visiting them yes. so they're going to miss the early bird they're going to miss the early bird and so they're walking in the restaurant and, and then Jack and his wife uh, they're, they're, they're walking out and he goes Look at our new well-to-do condo board president eating after 6 o'clock, all right? And then it all ensues. He accuses them of stealing funds from the treasury. He says, my son bought me that car. I've seen his act. He's not that good. <laughs> and Morty gets ousted in a very Nixon-like moment. He puts up the peace sign as he's getting into his car afterwards. Uh, Jack Glompus is, is the neighbor that you hate, but however... You're drawn to him that you sort of want, want to hang out with him all the time. Seinfeld really introduced the idea, especially if you were a teenager watching it when it came out, that adults voluntarily spent lots of time with people that they really didn't like. Yeah. Uh, and when you're a kid, you think, oh, when I'm grown up, all the family members and friends, people I will not have to spend time with, and I won't. And one of the things that Seinfeld really focused on a lot was that Life wasn't like friends, you know, six no. people who adore each other just hanging out <laughs> having a great time. Life was a lot more like Seinfeld, where Morty Seinfeld and Jack Klompas had probably known each other for something like 50 <laughs> years. They had been neighbors in Long Island, obviously, yes. years before they moved to Florida. And they had sort of accepted that they, if they didn't have a friendship, they had a relationship. Um, to that point, my number one pick is a parallel to that, which is, uh, it's got to be Uncle Leo for me. Uh, Uncle Leo, Jerry's uh, uncle on his mother's side. Um, I was watching a clip earlier today on YouTube. There's about 15 different episodes in which Uncle Leo uh, shows up 
grabs Jerry by the arm and immediately starts talking to them, him about his son Jeffrey, who, according to Uncle Leo, is he's a big deal in the parks department. Huge. Huge. Whenever the mayor is having some trouble with these big shots in the parks department, who does he call, Jerry? Who does he call? Cousin Jeffrey. Cousin Jeffrey. Uh, you know, when Jeffrey was moving from Central Park to Riverside, it was a big deal. You know, just, just what he did to clean up Central Park, he's going to do for Riverside. Just every single time, he, he couldn't wait to tell Jerry what his son was accomplishing in the New York City Parks Department. Every, everybody has a, has a relative like an Uncle Leo, who boasts about their one mediocre child, okay, <laughs> like, he's, like he's Gandhi. Uh, another one of my favorite Uncle Leo episodes is when he steals uh, from Brentano's, yes. the bookstore, <laughs> and Jerry narks on him, and then his parents inform him that all old people steal. We steal batteries all the time. I'm old. I'm confused. <laughs> the other great thing about Uncle Leo was his greeting to Jerry, which was always, and it was a big exclamation, yeah. His knees would sink, his arms would extend, and he'd say, Jerry, hello! And there's about 25 Jerry hellos throughout yeah. all of Seinfeld. Uh, it's, um, <laughs> he's, they're doing a sort of a Shawshank uh, prison sort of scene with him. Yes. He's doing pull-ups on the bars. He's got kill Jerry <laughs> on both of the knuckles. Uh, yeah, he's, he is the uh, uh, basically the family member who he's very predictable. He once steals uh, fifty dollars from a from a horse race that they that, that they won. Yes. Morty wants to compound interest from nineteen fifty five at Belmont over it. And Leo sequesters Jerry's aging relative, who's got dementia but remembers this event. Yes. And he sequesters her in a nursing home so that she can't talk about it, because Morty has already calculated that they're owed like eight hundred dollars based yes. on the compound interest. <laughs> All right, who's your number two pick? My number two pick is none other than, then in the distance, I heard the bulls. I began running as fast as I could. Fortunately, I was wearing my Italian Capto Oxford. Sophisticated, yet different. Nothing to make a huge fuss about. Rich, dark brown, calfskin leather, matching leather vent, men's hole and half size, 7 through 13. Price, $135. Jay Peterman. Now, if anybody doesn't know that the J. Peterman catalog actually existed. Yes. Yes. It was sort of like the step down, you know, you got your Barney's catalog, your Saks, your Nordstrom's catalog, your L.L. Bean if you're feeling luxury rustic. Mm -hmm. This was the step below. <laughs> so, okay. Nobody knew who J. Peterman was. It's not like he's Ralph Lauren. Uh, and, and basically, this would come every quarter to people's homes yes. all across the country. And... Uh, they, they did a parody on this, and John O'Hurley plays this character terrific, and he basically got this sort of accent from a 19, sort of four, 1940s radio news, news broadcast. And uh, some, of his, some of the best you know, quotes from him are these drug references, right? Where <laughs> Elaine fails a urine test because she tests positive for opium. And, uh, she's eating poppy seed bagels. Yeah, she's eating poppy seed bagels. And he goes, Elaine, we need to talk. About the White Lotus, <laughs> the Shanghai Sally that's in your system. Or when Elaine makes out with a coworker and she doesn't want to feel like the uh, office slut, so she pretends to be dating him, but he actually turns out to be a heroin addict. And he goes, Elaine, I'm going to fire you if, I, if you don't get this guy off the horse, the smack, the White Palace, and the Chinaman's nightcap. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he buys Kramer's life stories because even though he's such a rich guy, he's really pretty much left a boring life. Uh, 
And uh, the great quote of that, he goes, eh, if there's any romance, throw that in there, throw that in, in there as well. Uh, he leaves on a self-imposed exodus out of Jay Peterman to uh, Myanmar. And uh, he goes, Elaine, people call it Burma, but it'll always be Myanmar to me. Uh, he comes back from this, and Elaine has run the company, but of course she's put out the urban sombrero yes. as, as her first point of business, which fails. And he comes back in, he goes, Elaine, I'm back. And he goes, well, what about me, the presidency? Kudos, Elaine, on a job done. <laughs> All right. They, you know, John O'Hurley did this so well. He actually bought into, into the J.P. Newman catalog, I found out, after the show ended. Uh, I don't know if it's still around, but uh, every sort of episode with him was, was terrific. Of course, the cake episode yes. where uh, he buys a piece of cake for $27,000 from the Duke and Duchess of Windsor's wedding. Some of the biggest 20th century Nazi sympathizers. <laughs> and Elaine has thought that everybody in the office is getting too fat from, from all of these holidays. They're basically celebration birthday thing. And she's got a sugar fix going on. So she goes in and she... <laughs> she eats Wallace Simpson and uh, uh, what's it, you know, Edward VIII's uh, yeah. cake. And then tries to swap it out with an Entomus. <laughs> and an appraiser. Uh, a cake appraiser. A cake appraiser manages. He gives uh, Peterman an appraisal of the cake. A, it's about $2.99. <laughs> it's an Entomus. Do they have a display? Do they have a castle? No. They, <laughs> they have, have a display, display case, case at the end of the aisle. Uh, yeah, Jay Peterman. This guy was in basically the last three or four seasons of Seinfeld. This is after she's been fired from Pendant Publishing. Mm -hmm. and and of course, Mr. Pitt. Yes. Uh, and then this was sort of her last job. And uh, the Jay Peterman stuff was uh, uh, it was he actually he actually was one of these characters like like Putty, who I know you're going to speak about, who really made the show. Uh, every Peter every Peterman episode is is terrific. So yes, to your point, I uh, I did pick David Putty uh, as my number two character. Largely because what I liked, one of the things I loved about Seinfeld was the way in which they used supporting and bit characters to really reveal the character itself of the top four stars. Um, usually reveal how low, rotten, dishonest, insecure Jerry, Elaine, George, and Kramer were. Um, the, you know, boyfriends, girlfriends, relatives, they, they really found a way for the stars to show who they really were. And I found that that was very much the case with Putty, uh, played by Patrick Warburton. Um, you know, tall, good-looking uh, guy, kind of deep, monotone voice. He's a mechanic, eventually becomes a, uh, a car salesman. Elaine is constantly keeping this guy in her rotation, basically. Sometimes it's a serious relationship, sometimes it's a fling, sometimes it's a one-night stand. But her perspective is always kind of that she's settling for this guy. Uh, you know, with an eye towards something new. She's breaking up with him constantly and going back to him because she sort of feels like she's got nowhere to go. And he's, you know, initially portrayed as a sort of very shallow, blank guy who doesn't have much to say, doesn't have any deep feeling. And almost every episode that he was in, some new depth of him was revealed. You know, that he was a devout Christian. That he was a uh, a New Jersey uh, Devils devotee. Got to support the team. Got to support the team with the face paint and the jerseys. And, and he sends the Catholic priest into uh, into an asylum. Yes. Okay, because he thinks he's seen the devil. <laughs> what was interesting about it was that actually, 
you you're meant to think that his depth that you know the things that he reveals are interesting about uh, Elaine but it's almost like she kind of needs him to be dumb and boring and whenever he shows any sort of spark of intelligence it kind of turns her off from him yeah you know he has some of the greatest fashion choices on that uh, on that show the eight ball jacket yep you got a question ask the eight ball Right. Or or the full length mink coat that she throws out the window. Okay. And he, he doesn't have a lot of he doesn't have a lot of memorable lines. It's not like Frank Costanza, uh, or or or, uh, or Peterman. He has some of the best lines any one of the best lines in the finale was when they're all going to jail and, and she says, David, don't wait up for me and he goes, All right <laughs> And uh when he breaks up with her, they break up a countless numbers of times, and uh, he's like, Elaine, I, I love seeing you and having sex and everything, but uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're, that's about it. Uh, his, his other things were where he's, you know, he steals Jerry's sex move, uh, and he refuses to do it because he's been called a hack. Uh, <laughs> and Elaine once dumps him for the guy who was in the Wiz commercial. Nobody beats the Wiz. So... Basically, and the, the thing about Putty is he always had that squinty-eyed look. And Elaine, he was one of the few good characters, sure. like the good people in Seinfeld. And uh, he was a good character, but he constantly brought the worst out of Elaine. And that was sort of, uh, he was a great sounding board for really who she was. My last pick, uh, George, I've had to fire a few managers in my time. Bucky Dent, Billy Martin, Dallas Green, Billy Martin. Buck Showalter. Ah, you didn't hear that from me, George. <laughs> <All right. laughs> this was possibly George's best employment that he's ever had. The assistant to the traveling secretary of the New York Yankees. He gets this job on opposite day where he tells George Steinberg exactly what he thinks of him and how he's ruined the team and made them the laughing stock of baseball. Uh, he gets this job and his interactions with 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 uh, with with Steinbrenner, our classic, played by Larry David, by the way. Mm-hmm. They actually tried to get George Steinbrenner to do the last episode, but he wasn't very good at it, and so they so they had to go back to Larry David. But there are the great exchanges where he find uh, Steinbrenner finds out that George is a communist, and he sends him to Cuba. Also, Fidel Castro, also played by Larry David, right? Okay, George, I heard you're a communist. There's a young fireballer down there. I want you to take a look at. Okay. <laughs> And of course, the calzones, oh. uh, where he talks about having the same same lunch for the last eight years: turkey bread, bread uh, boule chili. Nothing more satisfying than looking at your desk after you've had the meal. Uh, and I couldn't remember the lines to "Heartbreaker" by Heartbreaker, Love Taker. <laughs> <laughs> Won't you bake my bread for me? Or something like that. And the monologues that you know George would walk in and George would try to talk, and it would, every time George was going to encounter him, and always it's the over-the-head shot. Yes. At George. Yes. And George just starts to slowly walk out of yeah. the room. The more and more that Steinbrenner's character talks. He was he was in it for a couple seasons, uh, and uh, and basically he does this. It's this great monotone sort of voice that Larry David does, and uh, every one of them is is just just a classic interaction. When George uh, he he's accused of stealing all the equipment, and he's talking in the third person, 
And he says, well, why would George steal the equipment? You're right. Why would I steal the equipment? I own the team. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. And he gets Morgan fired for not signing the birthday card. <laughs> okay. His, his essentially his boss, okay? He gets moved up the ladder. And then uh, he asks for a secretary for a raise. That's, so, that's actually higher than his own salary. <laughs> One of the best things of all time was when George is trying to get fired. Uh, and I forget... Body suit man. Yes. I forget which uh, uniform George... Lou Gehrig. Had, you know, well, uh, Steinbrenner steals Lou Gehrig's <laughs> uniform and starts wearing they, it. Yeah. And he starts asking George if that, you know, that the disease, I don't remember the name of it. Do you think that's communicable? <laughs> And the fact that he sort of does this hop skip around the offices, okay, are are, are just classic. <laughs> and yes, George Steinbrenner, a truly odious man, was actually brought. This was during the the heyday, really, the sort of the 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 the, the second heyday of, of the Yankees in the nineteen nineties sure. when they started winning all these World Series. Uh, and they had great sort of uh, Yankees. Um, they had Jeter in there. Paul O'Neill. Paul O'Neill. <laughs> His days with the Yankees, uh, it's better than it's better than his brief stint in independent publishing, or selling real estate, or play now. They were the middle years of Seinfeld, which were probably the best. Yeah. and this is when Larry David was writing the show. Mm -hmm. By the way, he was the head writer of the show. I know he he wrote it with Jerry, but he was truly the head writer. He was he was there. For, uh, this was seasons four through seven. Sure. That he was uh, that that he that he worked for the Yankees, and uh, of course Steinbrenner then trades him. For some uh, ch chicken infused beer <laughs> and pretzels, <laughs> chicken infused pretzels. All right. Well, my uh, my last pick. Um, speaking of mid nineties, uh, when the character of uh, well, really the person of Johnny Cochran became for a time a household name after. Uh, successfully exonerating O.J. Simpson uh, in the trial of the century. And so when Kramer spills a uh, cup of coffee uh, from a, uh, a latte establishment um, and burns himself and believes that the lid on the coffee wasn't put on right, um, he's trying to sneak a latte into the movie theater by <laughs> in putting it in, in his blue jeans and the thing breaks open and spills all over himself. And he scalds himself, and you know he claims that the coffee was too hot, and he goes to none other than Jackie Childs, uh, <laughs> plaintiff's attorney, um, yes, who he routinely goes to with these ridiculous harebrained lawsuits. Every time, almost nearly winning them, going after big tobacco. Because, <laughs> he becomes uh, the Marlboro Man, and, and, and yes, Kramer becomes the Marlboro Man that doesn't get the payoff. <laughs> the coffee incident. Kramer gets. Uh, He's about to get free coffee for the rest of his life at any of their stores. And fifty thousand. And fifty thousand dollars. As soon as they offer uh, him the money, uh, they can't get. But Jackie Childs was just this uh, fast-talking, funny, at times uh, utterly self-righteous for for an ambulance chaser when Kramer uh, <laughs> gets in a car accident because he's staring at the uh, the heiress of the O. Henry. Uh, Family candy bar. The braless. Oh, Henry. Wearing, but she's wearing just a bra just walking a, down. She's wearing a bra and a sport jacket walking down the street. But, what does Jackie say? She says, you know, she's, you know, she's flouting society's rules. Uh, he's horribly irate about this. Uh, oh, Henry, that's one of our top selling candy bars. Uh, whereas he confidently predicts about the coffee thing. 
If there's one coffee drinker on that jury, you're going to be a wealthy man, Kramer. <laughs> but the but the but the but the but the bra, the Suella Mishki, that all started when when Elaine brings it up as an idea to use the the bra over the uh, <laughs> over 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 a shirt sure. with with Peterman uh, and. Uh, he uses Stan the Caddy. Yeah. Uh, this is a big O.J. Simpson tie-in. Yeah. Because Kramer. Denison. Yes, because the, the trial is there. She, you know, this woman is going to be on the hook for millions of dollars in damages, uh, and Kramer ignores the advice of Jackie Childs, and he's brought Stan the Caddy, another big character, <laughs> who's just a caddy, but he's like Kramer's life coach. And yeah. He says to, to Kramer, he's like. You're on the green. It's time to go for the cup. Have her try on the bra. And of course, the bra doesn't fit. It's like, you know, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. Well, you know, the bra didn't fit. And uh, Jackie Charles says, you know, I've been practicing law for 30 years. You're taking advice from Dan <laughs> He was, he was probably, you know, he also did the, uh, was in the Terry Hatcher, the real and the spectacular. Yes. Uh, it's one of the last lines of Seinfeld the series. Yeah. Uh, was that Jackie Childs ends up dating Sidra, played Sidra. by Terry Hatcher. Terry Hatcher. And many, many seasons earlier, there was a question as to whether or not uh, she had her chest augmented. Yes. And Jackie Childs is happy to say they're real and they're spectacular. <laughs> all right, this concludes the, uh, the, the all-time bit characters on Seinfeld. Uh, there will never be another show like this, at least another comedy like this. I've, I'm I'm putting Curb as a, a 1A uh to Seinfeld, just because of all the different different characters uh, that Seinfeld has brought us, uh, the little person Mickey over the years, who I who I thought was fantastic. This is Kathy Griffin before she went insane was fantastic on this. Uh, this Bookman, the library cop. Oh, uh, Philip Baker Hall. Philip Baker Hall. God. Yeah, and there's there's been a lot, but believe it or not, a lot of celebrities. Have been on have been on Seinfeld, and then they've obviously have gone on to to the Keith Hernandez mm. was sort of classic uh, in this. But uh, these were our best six, and uh, I we're we're not doing this on on any other TV show because it just it just wouldn't be fair. Uh, yeah, sorry, bit characters of CSI Miami are not coming uh, to the next podcast. Now where now where is that film in Vegas? <laughs> of course, of course, <laughs> <laughs> right outside the Bellagio. <laughs> it's cheaper there. All right. Good afternoon, Rye. Bye.